0: Amen. As you're still standing, if you can find in your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. While we're standing together, I'll read God's Word in just a moment uh, here. Uh, We will get back to our study in Luke uh, very soon here. Uh, We we thought it pertinent. uh, This was one of the passages, as Phil said, that the elders and deacons uh, took up uh, together yesterday and pondered. And as we look ahead to even making our budget and our congregational meeting in January, uh, I thought it was good for us to pause and take a step back and say, who are we as the church? What are we called to? And how could that inform uh, what we do this next year? So with that in mind, let's look at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Let me read for us. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. Lord, as we turn to your word, would you, uh, by your spirit, uh, make it come alive even in our hearts uh, here gathered. Would you remind us who we are? And what we're called to do in Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. What do you want to be known by? In 1977, uh, the Voyager uh, project was launched uh, from Earth. And, uh, and it, this satellite made its way, uh, I believe by the 90s, it had made its way past Pluto out into sort of open space. Uh, It'll take uh, something like 40,000 years for it to get to anywhere near another, you know, planetary system. And uh, it's interesting, on this spacecraft, and you might know this, uh, was a record, I think two records, but uh, they call it the golden record. Now, uh, just to help us out here, a record is like a CD. Okay, a CD is like a I don't know. So a record uh, had many things on it. It had uh, photos. Uh, it had music. It's interesting it, it, to look at the list of what was on there. And the goal was to kind of give a snapshot of life and culture on Earth. Uh, again, you know, we ponder, you know, it, it's fun to ponder if there's life out there. And, and, and NASA sends the spacecraft out thinking, if someone finds it someday, we want to give them a sense of who we are as a, as a people, And uh, in true human fashion, most of it makes sense. I looked at the photos, and there's farming, and there's culture, and they did a great job, sort of a diversity of the cultures on earth. Uh, But you also have the equivalent of sort of like, have you ever seen those awkward family photos? (laughs) Uh, There's an image uh, of three people, one of them eating ice cream, one of them eating a sandwich, and one of them, I think, drinking water from like a full coffee carafe. And that was one of the images that they chose. <laughs> and they said, this will represent us well <laughs> to whoever finds it. Um, maybe it was more honest than, than we think. Um, what would you put on that capsule? Uh, if you wanted people to know, or it, even if it was just you and your family, what would you put in there uh, that someone would find and say, I think I know something about who they are, who this people is. Now the trouble is, we actually don't have full control over what goes out, right? We send out this golden record, but what are we sending out all the time? Radio waves, we're sending out information. Um, imagine, just mind experiment, there are aliens, and, and, and they start to find these radio waves, and they tune into the radio for about, you know, all, 24 hours. What are they going to think of us, good and bad? Um, or maybe worse, what if they tuned into our social media feeds for one hour? What would they think about our planet? Now, why do we ask this question? What do we want to be known for as a church? Um, What do we want to be known for in this community? Um, uh, Speaking of Klamath Falls, a a few months ago, back in June, uh, some from a a committee that helps in our presbytery to help plant churches, which is what we're desiring to do in Klamath Falls, they came and, and, and they took us to Ephesians and they talked about the church. And they gave this exercise, which I'll put before you now. Uh, whether we like it or not, in this community, we will be known as that blank church, right? And before you get all judgmental, you have churches in your mind that are that Baptist church or that, you know, fill in the blank, right? So people in our community, whether we like it or not, are, are saying or thinking they're that what church, if it was up to us, what would we want them to fill in the blank with, right? And since we don't get to just do a golden capsule and send it to them, what do we want our life together to emanate necessarily? That whether people like it or not, they would say, oh, well, they're that faithful church or they're that church that loves Christ. How would you fill in that blank? We're going to look at Acts 2, uh, and we see that the early church was, uh, it says, devoted to many things, and we're going to look at these four different things, but this is sort of a flyby. Any of these things could take a, a whole sermon or a series. It's, it, it's like going to visit sort of a, an island chain. Uh, you know, you go to Hawaii and you're sort of flying over. You're getting a survey of these different islands. And it, it would, it would uh, be great to just land on one and, and to spend time there and to pick it apart and to, and to really integrate it. But uh, what we're doing today is sort of that flyby. We're looking at these different islands. And it's an invitation for you to keep studying these things and for us to keep studying these things. And so as that plane flies over this early church, let's look at verse 42. We have this summary statement in verse 42. Um, uh, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, to set the stage here, what's happened so far in Acts? You, You might remember that Luke is the author both of Uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke that we've been going through, he writes a sequel, as it were, in the book of Acts. And uh, the book of Acts picks up sort of right where Luke, we're going to see one day, ends, uh, Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the right hand of the Father. He commissions his apostles to go to the very ends of the earth with the gospel message. The Holy Spirit falls upon God's people in a new and powerful way. And then Peter preaches this uh, mighty sermon about Jesus dying for the sins of his people if if they would just repent and believe in him. And you, if you just glance up at verses you know, 40, 41, uh Uh, It says that, earlier it says they were cut to the heart by his message and they say, what shall we do? And he says in verse 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 41 tells us those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, right? Can you imagine (laughs) 3,000 Uh, We might pack this place out. It's possible. I'm not good at math, though. So 3,000 added to the church, and then we get one of many in Acts, these sort of summary statements, these snapshots. What was the early church like? What were they doing? And that's what that word devoted means. It's um, what were they busy with? What were they persisting in? What were they consistently doing, right? Not just what was sort of their checklist that they made sure they did once a month, you know, what were, they, what were they known for? You know, whether people like them or not, what were they known for? What were they busy with? And we see four things. Um, and, and, and there's an outline in there if it's helpful to you, but the first is the apostles' teaching, or if, for your outline, we'll just summarize it, the Word. Uh, they were devoted to the Word. Uh, this is the first thing in the life of the church. They were persisting in the Word. They were busy with studying the Word. They were loving God's Word. And this is fitting because Jesus came as the great prophet. He came and preached the kingdom of God. He called to himself 12 apostles, um, and he promised them that when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. He's going to remind you. He's going to bring to mind everything. So that the very teaching of the apostles in a foundational way was the very teaching of Jesus Christ. And that's what we get in the New Testament, right? Right? Uh, we get the teaching of the apostles, but we need to remember that it's really just the teaching of Jesus Christ, uh, His, his called-out ones, His apostles, His messengers given to the church. And remember when this Acts 2 church was first together, I mean, they didn't have something like this. They didn't have a printed Bible of the Old Testament, let alone the New Testament is still being written in their midst by the apostles. And so they would hang upon every word of these apostles who were appointed to bring them the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that was the content of their message. And the people uh, gathered around it. It's been said that the church is a creature of the word. In other words, the word of God creates the church. Uh, the, uh, the word is the seed that causes the church to grow And this makes sense. I mean, how does the Bible start? How does creation start? Uh, But by the Word of God. God speaks and it comes to pass. And who is Jesus but the Word of God? Uh, Hebrews tells us that uh, He spoke to us in many ways through the prophets, but now in this day He has spoken to us through His Son. And that message was passed on through the apostles. And that's the very Bible that you have in your laps right now. the word creates the church. It sustains the church. It grows the church. And that is true now as it was then. In Acts, uh, Luke puts it this way. Uh, he, he will sort of put synonymously the idea that the church was growing and that the word was growing. In Acts 6 7, it says, And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, or Acts 12, 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 19, 20, so the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. We see this time and time again, uh, that the word is this foundational and continuing power in the life of God's people. People of God, are you devoted to the word? Are you busy with it? If if an alien did come and just, just looked at us, and let's think of it in two levels, there's sort of, if, if someone came in and saw what we were doing here, but also what would they see if, if they looked in and saw what we were doing in our homes, uh, or indeed in our, in our hearts, that's the harder one. Are you devoted to the Word of God? Not, do you check it off your list every once in a while, because uh, you know that the elders are going to ask you about it. <laughs> do you love the Word? Do you see it bearing fruit in your life, and do we see it bearing fruit in the life together as God's people? As you can see, we could land our plane here for a while, but uh, let's let's keep moving. So they were devoted to the word. What were they devoted to next? Um, the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. And, and notice, it's interesting, the word the used with each of these. I think they're being set apart in, in, in this very summary way. These are foundational things to the life of the church. The, uh, the apostles' teaching, we, the, the the sounds good to us. Oh, yeah, the word, the apostles' teaching. The fellowship. In other words, it's, the word is foundational, but, um, but the fellowship, or in Greek, the koinonia, this mutual love, this mutual care, or as we say in our creed, the communion of saints. This binding together of God's people. This was actually foundational for the church. This wasn't sort of just an afterthought. Or, you know, you know study the word and if you really feel like it, love one another. You now, what does Jesus say? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will love one another. And we see this play out in the early church in many ways. It's this, again, this communion, this sharing of all things. It's, it, it, on the one hand, it's this deep sense of community. And uh, if you flip with me over to uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, you'll see another summary statement. And it's helpful because it flushes out for us this aspect of this deep community. We'll talk about the generosity and the giving in a moment, but this deep community in the early church Chapter 4 verse 32 Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own but they had everything in common So you see both aspects again the community and then the mutual giving and care for one another they're interrelated right But think of that, that if if people looked in at our church would they say oh they were of one heart and soul I can't even explain it Even in our political climate, even in our strained economic times, when they look at our church, they say they're of one heart, one soul, centered on Christ. Uh, Look at how they love one another. Look at how they give to the needs of the saints. And that's that second part, right? They had all things in common. Our our red, white, and blue blood starts to boil, maybe, (laughs) when we hear that they had all things in common. Uh, this isn't uh, communism. Uh, the word has a similar root. This is a voluntary a uh, giving of the needs of the saints. In Acts chapter 4, it, it clarifies for us. In verse 34, it says, There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what they sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. What a... What a goal. There was no needy among them. Now, of course, we know that this means this does not mean there was no needy welcome among them. No, the needy would come. Uh, the the Romans, the Greeks would actually make fun of the church uh, because it was full of poor people and widows, you know, sort of the, the weakest in society. So it, it doesn't mean that. It means that when you come and you're part of God's people, if you have a need, God's people rally around. Uh, to meet that need. One way we do this, and, and it, this isn't meant to be the only way, uh, but you know, next week when we give of that diaconal offering, that's a, a voluntary offering that goes to the deacons. The deacons are helping lead us in service. They're, they're knowing God's people, they're knowing who's struggling, uh, and those funds are used and are used for those who are struggling, whether just for a month or sometimes a longer period of time. And uh, the deacons do a great job of of helping that person know that this isn't just the officers of the church sort of giving you funds. This is your church loving you, seeing you have a need, and and seeking to meet that need and help you in this time of crisis so that there's no needy among us. This is that fellowship of the saints. This is that deep community, right, that, that differentiates us from... Other groups, I mean, there's, there's other great and wonderful uh, groups that we're a part of, uh, great communities that we're a part of. And uh, sometimes those other communities are kind of teaching the church what deep community can look like in terms of involvement in each other's lives. We'll see later that it talks about they were breaking bread with each other in their homes. There, there was just this natural sense that they were sharing life together. We as the church should be showing the world what that looks like. Uh, because we're unified in Christ uh, together as God's uh, people. And isn't that really the, if you think about the definition of the church, I've been reading, um, I've been reading a, a book by Arby Kuyper, a sort of an early hero in, in our denomination and, and in some of our circles, and he writes this whole book, uh, different teachings and essays on, on the church, and he calls it the glorious body of, of Christ. And uh, he puts that provocatively, right? Would we describe the church today as glorious? It's glorious. It's full of glory. It glorifies God. And of course, he's not naive. He talks about the troubles of the church, the sin of the church, things that need to be addressed. But, uh, but here, just hear this from, from Kuyper. How clear that no other institution in all the world is comparable to the Christian church in the point of glory. The glory of the greatest, wealthiest, most powerful, and most resplendent empire of all history was as nothing, yes, less than nothing, in comparison with the glory of the church of Christ. Small wonder that of all the countless organizations in the world, the Redeemer fondly claims that only the church is his very own. Upon this rock, he said, I will build my church. The church alone is his body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. You know, Christ loves His church. Christ blesses His church. His, his church is glorious, not because it's perfect, uh, but because He has uh, chosen uh, to work through her. And so, one way of defining the church is simply the communion of saints, uh, or Kuyper says, the, the communion of believers, the, the gathering of God's people. And we see many metaphors in Scripture, we're called a flock. We're called the body of Christ. We're called a temple, and, and we're a royal priesthood. We're called a kingdom. We're called a family of God. We're called the true Israel. We're called the bride of Christ, and he washes us with water, with the, with the word. We could go on and on. Metaphors given that show you that God loves his church and is shaping her more and more. And, and one area that we need shaped is in the fellowship, this deep fellowship. We live in a lonely age. Do you feel that? There's this lonely ache for community, and there's this pretense that we're more connected than ever through technology and through other means. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that any sliver of hope that a video conference could replace in person. It's a great tool for various things. You know, We use it, but I think as a society, uh, we were aching by the end of that year for community, and that, and that continues even before 2020. In our culture, we, it, 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 in modern Western culture, and, and people try to study this, there's a loneliness that is hard to account for, uh, and, it's, and it's doing damage to us. Again, we as the church can show the world what it looks like to live in community with one another, to bear with one another, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens, to weep with one another, to rejoice with one another. If you, if you want to know what am I called to as a Christian, just look up the one another's of the New Testament and pray through those. When we do that, I think the world will know us, as Jesus said, by our love for one another. The plane's got to keep going. So we've talked about the Word. We've talked about the fellowship of the saints. Now number three, the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. And um, there's an interpretive question here, not one that churches have split over. Um, is he talking about the breaking of bread, uh, the communion table? Or is he talking about the breaking of bread in general, as, as God's people uh, gather uh, together, we, I gathered with my elders and and uh, deacons yesterday, and and they asked me that question. And I said, I was hoping you would give me the answer, because uh, I got to preach tomorrow. But um, as is, I, I think typically the case, I. Calvin, John Calvin, others would want to argue that this is the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. They, they became devoted. They were busy with it. This was, this was a regular practice. And certainly we know that by the time Luke was written, um, some years after some of the epistles that we get, like 1 Corinthians and others, it was a well-established practice that Jesus himself started, that they would, in worship, uh, have the Lord's Supper uh, together, even in their house churches, uh, as it looked different. So it's certainly not unbiblical to see this as uh, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Uh, To further make that point, if you look at verse 46, it says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That word attending is the very same word in verse 42, devoted. So they were devoted to uh, the word, the fellowship, the prayers, the breaking of bread. In verse 46, they were devoted to attending temple together. They were devoted to worship. Uh, We could have had another point, right? Uh, They were devoted to doing this together. And uh, by good and necessary consequence, I mean, part of worship for God's people in the New Testament age uh, is is his sacraments of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so I think uh, this isn't a hill I would die on. There's other hills to die on. <laughs> um, and I know you're just, with bated breath, you know, what's going on here? Uh, but I, I think there's a both and going on. I think in verse 42, it might be emphasizing the Lord's Supper. If not, verse 46 would certainly lead us to that, that as God's people join and worship together, they receive from the very things that he's promised to bless us through, his word, prayer, and the sacraments. But then we see that that just bleeds out into breaking bread together, in their homes. These are not unrelated. Uh, Some churches, when they do the Lord's Supper, even today, they'll make that their fellowship Sunday and have their barbecue that day. uh, It's just one way of saying, you know, we gather uh, for the sacrament, and then we enjoy one another's fellowship uh, afterward. Uh, But uh, the early church, they were devoted. They were busy with these things. And, and this is where actually our, our group in Klamath Falls can uh, teach us. Uh, so every Sunday they have a meal together after the worship service. And uh, it's such a, a great uh, thing. Anytime I've gone over there or if you've visited, um, and I would encourage you to visit if you can, I'd love to help coordinate that. It's a blessing to them and to you when you see this, uh, this group that is devoted to the fellowship of the saints. They're, they're devoted to breaking bread together, uh, they discuss the sermon and they pray for one another. That's a wonderful picture of life uh, together. Number four, they were devoted to the prayers. Uh, to the prayers. Again, I think the prayers said like that can lead us to think of when they went to the temple. Uh, later, I think it's Peter is, is said to, he, he went to the temple for the time of prayer, right? These were uh, uh, Jews worshiping their God through Jesus Christ. And so for a time, they would keep attending the temple, and even synagogue. So I think there's a corporate praying together, but then I think also in their homes and privately. And prayer is something emphasized by Luke and Acts in, in a powerful way. If you just did a word search on that word devoted, busy with. Acts 1:14, right at the beginning, it says all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. So Christ ascends on high and, and, and the church gathers together. They don't really know what's next, and they pray. They're devoted to prayer. And then we see this in Acts uh, 2.42. Uh, we see this in Acts 6.4, which I looked at yesterday with the officers uh, where we see sort of the birth of the deacons, the the apostles uh, come to them. There's, there's a problem where some of the widows aren't getting taken care of as they should. And so uh, they're called upon to appoint men full of the Spirit, full of wisdom uh, that will help uh, because the apostles had a different role. They were to devote that same word. They, were, they said, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Notice the order. <laughs> The apostles of Jesus Christ devoted themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And therefore, the deacons were brought in to help in the work of serving God's people. And so, prayer is not an afterthought for the early church. And yet, how often is it an afterthought for us? You know, do all you can do, and when that fails, pray. (laughs) Right? We kind of put prayer in a different category. Tonight, actually, if you come back for the evening service, we're going to ask that question. If God is sovereign, why do we pray? What's the point? Um, and so I, I do hope that you would come tonight as we wrestle with that. But I saw yesterday with the elders, they are, they are jealous that you would be a people devoted to his word and devoted to prayer, that you would come before your God in prayer. What would it look like? as a church, to be devoted, again, together as we gather, uh, together as we're in our uh, community groups and other great avenues, but also just in your own life, in your own family, to go to prayer together. As we think of these four things, and as we think of the year ahead, what would it look like to be devoted to these things, right? Not just we include these things, um, You know, sometimes you could have something in your statement of faith uh, that isn't really a statement about your life if someone was just looking in, right? And that's the constant battle for all of us. But what would it look like as a church to be known for these things, to be busy with these things, to be getting creative in how we live out and, and spend time on these things? Right, imagine any other thing or habit that you were trying to form that you committed to doing it for 15 to 20 minutes per week. But if you think about it, in our worship service, it's about an hour. Um, you know, we the, the preaching takes up, believe it or not, maybe only about 30 minutes of that. Uh, we, we pray together. Right? We're, we're trying to do these things even when we gather together. But even if we were generous and said that we, we preach for 30 minutes and maybe in total, thinking of the songs and the prayers, there's 20, 30 minutes of, of prayer. I mean, imagine if you said, you know, I want to get in shape. And so I'm going to exercise 20 minutes every Sunday, <laughs> every Sunday. <laughs> You'll see what happens. <laughs> now that's better than zero minutes, right? And there's a difference, right? Our gathered life is, is sort of disproportionately powerful because God meets us here by the Spirit where two or three are gathered in his name. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. But what would it look like to see that pour out into the rest of our lives, to be busy with these things so that they can form us as God wants to form us, as his people, right? It, it, it's like going out in the sunlight for 20 minutes a week, which sometimes around this time of year it feels like that's all you get and you feel it, but no, you need to actually go out and soak in what's being poured out on you. What would would happen if we did that, even this next year? What would happen among us? What would happen in our neighborhood as the neighborhood began to know us by our love for the word, for each other, our prayer, Well, what happened here in Acts 2? What were the results, as it were? In verse 47, it says they were praising God. It says they were having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And up in verse 43, it says, Awe came upon every soul. So within the church, what's going to happen? Awe is going to come upon us as we grow in our love for the Lord. Uh, what happens that spills out into the, into the community is this favor, or the word can mean graciousness, that, that flows out. That when uh, The church, even a, even a culture that's antagonistic to the church, even here, I mean, they would soon experience persecution. And yet when they lived this way, there was this uh, favor that people said, God is at work among them. And there's growth given by God. Phrased very carefully, of course, in the spirit. They, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day, those who were being saved. They didn't add it themselves. <laughs> they, they preached the word. They loved one another. They prayed together. They loved their neighborhood. And people were added day by day those who were being saved. What if we saw that here? As the Lord would choose to bless us and add to our number. And and and, and, and as our number is added to and in, in God's good time and his own way, uh, that we would grow in depth of grace uh, together. Trinity, what do you want to be known for? Right? Are are we content to be that more traditional church? Are we content to be that conservative church? Are we content with that, or do you want to be the church that's known for loving God's Word, for, for loving one another sacrificially, for having a, a church where there's deep community there that we can't account for, we don't see it elsewhere? Do you want to be known for a church that takes the worship of God seriously, a, a church that prays as if they believed prayer did something? A church that loved God and his kingdom. A church that uh, loved its neighborhood and, and, and sees itself as literally in the middle of this neighborhood. As a church that is broken by sin and yet broken over its sin and constantly coming back in repentance to her Savior. What would happen if we were known for these things? What could God do in our midst this next year? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this snapshot in acts of of the early church, Lord. We thank you that your word gave birth uh, to the church, that even before the foundation of the world, you planned to send your son to gather your people to yourself. And we thank you that you've gathered us uh, who didn't deserve it. And I pray now that you would continue to shape us in the image of your son, that you would be very glorified that people would be added to our number who come to know Jesus as their Savior, that we would see baptisms this next year, uh, that we would see uh, our people, uh, all of us, grow in grace, grow in our love for the Word, our love for one another. Lord, would you form this in us as only your Spirit can do. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.